Hey, welcome back to the Brazos Point living room. We are back together for the f maybe final time for the year uh, as we continue and finish out our Christmas series. Christmas never gets old. I like the maybe. Maybe, yeah. We got some fun, a fun idea we'll share with you at the end here. I'm actually really excited about the topic today because I think it's something we uh, will get into. We just don't talk about enough. But before we do, I got a question. Uh, it is, what is the most beautiful place that you've ever been to? You go. Yeah, I'm going to have to go to Banff, Alberta, Canada. That's where Ashley and I went on our honeymoon. Say it again. Banff, B-A-N-F-F. Banff. Banff, Alberta, Canada. <laughs> I don't believe you. You should. It's not a place. You don't believe that he's been there? That it's real. So it's the Canadian Rockies. It's everything the American Rockies have with an extra <laughs> level of panache. You sound like a brochure. <laughs> <laughs> we stayed at the Banff Springs Hotel, which itself is like a castle in the middle of a wow. Canadian Rockies majestic wonderland. So it's, it is beautiful. It's incredible. But uh, we went in December and it was 40 below. <laughs> And so it was a winter wonderland. Forty below uh, to behold, yeah, forty below zero. And I, as far as I know, that was Fahrenheit. <laughs> I'm not sure what the difference is, but uh, man, it was cold. Forty but, kilometers below. Zero. <laughs> so beautiful. We really want to go back. We haven't been back. That was 19 years ago last week, really? and. Uh, we want to go, but we want to experience Banff in a different season, uh -huh. like July. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, I think mine was Greece. Um, I had just Ooh. never seen water that blue before in my life, and I could not stop staring at it. Um, on that trip, I flew into Athens, and then we drove like up through the countryside, kind of along the coast, though, and I just couldn't stop staring at the water. And then we came back to Athens and and took a ferry to Santorini, and then on Santorini we rode four-wheelers all over the place and donkeys a little bit, too. <laughs> <laughs> rode some donkeys we all did. over the we place. We did. We rode donkeys. Like and... uh, baby donkeys? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but it was... It was beautiful. The water was beautiful. The sunsets were beautiful. There was some mountains. There was countryside. There was city. There was everything. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And the food's not bad. Right? It was good. Yeah. Uh, I think... Clute. Oh, huh? Clute. Clute. Clute, Texas. <laughs> uh, we have... We love the mountains. And we, we just took a trip last year to Montana that was incredible. But I think the most beautiful place probably in the United States we've ever been, there's a little place called Estes Park, Colorado. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there we used to take students to camp. There's a YMCA of the Rockies. If you can ever go, go. The American Rockies, uh, though. American right. Yeah. Rockies. Imagine Montana and Colorado with just a little bit more panache. <laughs> Someday, Joseph. Uh, they have a camp. Their campground sits in the, like a bowl of mountains. So it's incredible. You're just in there hanging out. 
and look all around you surrounded by mountains. It's, it's Ugh, pretty beautiful. I should have said, said Bolivia because Bolivia is oh, legitimately yeah. one of the most beautiful places on this earth. And I could have plugged our mission trip coming up in 2023. Oh, it's not too late for you to know if you're interested. <laughs> and it's, the other thing about Bolivia is it's beautiful and it's diverse. Yes. You got mountains, you got jungle, you got salt flats, you got deserts, you got it all. Mm-hmm. You got plateaus, you got mesas. You name it. Got Welcome jungle. to Bolivia. What's the panache situation? Panache. In Bolivia, it's low. The panache is low. What about ganache? Did I say it right? Panache, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But going back to Clute, I just want to say. <laughs> yeah, you feel bad, don't I you? don't feel bad because I maintain that our area is actually beautiful. Like, I feel that like people are often critical and talk like our area is ugly. But I think our sprawling oaks uh, and, our, and our... The Spanish moss. Our Spanish was, moss and our green grass is well, wonderful. When I first came here, my first interview, I was surprised. There's like a whole lot of nothing, and then you get here, and then it just comes alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With mosquitoes. It is special. I mean, looking out the window of this office building, it's beautiful out there. What it doesn't have is topography, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't have changes in elevation. It's flat. It's <laughs> or panache. Flat. Or panache. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's low or on panache. <laughs> we don't need panache full time. <laughs> You're right. Well, you, you grow uh, immune to panache if you live among panache. <laughs> like, you if know? you just have your AirPods and Ember cup all the time. <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> Uh, well, today we are discussing Second Christmas, and it's uh, just the phrase like I'm using to talk about Jesus. one wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> we love Christmas. Uh, Jesus' return. And in a Christmas series, as we're talking about Christmas Never Gets Old, really ending the series by talking about Second Christmas and Him returning. And I, like I, we said in the beginning, it's just something I think we don't talk about enough, and we maybe should talk about it more so my first question is honestly how do you feel when you think about jesus's return or second christmas man i there was a point in my life where i think i felt some mixed emotions pre-bamp pre (laughs) very (laughs) pre-bamp yes actually and i just thought man uh let's delay this because i've got some things i want to experience (laughs) um but at this point in my life, man, I'm I'm for it. <laughs> it's like better than panache, you know? It's, uh, I mean, just think about it, Like thinking about the reason why you ask the most beautiful places that we've gone and those experiences that we've had. And, you know, like just recognizing that on the other side of the second coming of Christ is a recreation with a new heavens and a new earth. And he's going to make all things right and all things new. And, and just like there's nothing that we've experienced this side of that that could prepare us for that paradise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. it makes me think of the summer between my sixth and seventh grade year. Um, I was switching schools. I had gone to the same small private Christian school my entire life, and I was terrified to go somewhere new. And I prayed <laughs> like I have never prayed in my life for Jesus to come back before school started. <laughs> But like Randy, I there have definitely been seasons where I was okay with it being a little bit delayed because maybe there were some things I wanted to experience in life. But now when you say, how do you feel? The first emotion that comes to mind is comforted. Like I feel almost like a, a relief, like um, 
he's going to come back. He's going to make everything new and perfect. And there's something comforting and relieving about that to me. But you know, I think that exposes for me a little bit. Like in the past, when I wanted to delay it, it was very self-centered. Oh, yeah. In the present, when I wanted to come, it's still very (laughs) (laughs) self-centered. What's the theme? Uh, I think thinking through this message, just realizing, man, I'm, when I think about it, I'm excited and uh, get, you know, I feel all the emotions of what it's going to be like and I look forward to it. But I think the honest answer is like indifference, honestly, in some ways. Mm-hmm. I know it's important. I know it's what I'm supposed to be looking towards. But as of right now, um, before this week, my daily life didn't revolve around it maybe in the way it should, or it didn't cross my mind nearly as frequently as maybe it should. And I think I think what drives that indifference is not a sense of, and we don't deep down believe that this is going to happen, right? I think mm-hmm. we're there. Of course. I think what drives the indifference is the sense of, I don't think this is going to happen. Anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is one of the things, you know, we talk about in this message is the way Jesus talked about it was soon. I mean, three times he described that he was coming again soon, so much so that the people who were there when they heard him or received these letters firsthand, they thought in their lifetimes. Yeah, I mean, the apostles definitely piggybacked on on Jesus' sense of urgency, and in their writings, you get this idea that they're they're executing their mission and they're living their life with this expectation that it's going to happen in their lifetime, Mm -hmm. much less, you know. 2,000 plus years later, and we're still waiting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I wanted to read just a little bit of the description of what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back and what he's coming to do. Uh, and so I just want to read this for us. This is Revelation 21. And this is the Apostle John and the vision that God gave him of what it's going to be like. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this and I will be their God and they will be my children. So that's quite the description of John's vision of what's going to happen and what's going to be like when Jesus comes back and what he's coming to do. So just what stands out to you the most? Can I have two? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So I think what stands out to me the most is new. It's mentioned Mm. multiple times, right? From the beginning and to the end of that passage. And the idea that there's going to be a recreation, a redemption of all of this, and not just a new earth, which I think we can kind of maybe somewhat wrap our minds around, but also a new heavens. He's going to recreate and redo everything. Mm -hmm. And the heavens and the earth will all be new. And so this idea that like those that have gone before us, or if we go before this, you know, like we will all be in involved in this new mm-hmm. creation. Those that are already with Christ will join us in this new creation. And so that gets me to the second one, which is dwell. 
and that idea of of dwelling with God in creation, mm-hmm. like Adam and Eve did in paradise in the yeah. Garden of Eden at the beginning of time, and that that's a part of what he's restoring is that that experience in the presence of God, which also then makes me think about how the Holy Spirit dwells in us now, and we probably underappreciate that reality, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Another but, thing we don't think about as often. Yeah. What's your jelly? I think for me, the first one I thought about was that he dwells with us, that he'll make his dwelling with us, that, that we'll all be home, you know, and he will be home um, for us. And then it also, the phrase no more was really jumping out at me a lot um, when it's talking about uh, painful things, no more painful things, because, man, isn't that one of our <laughs> big questions is why why pain you mm-hmm. know why why do these things happen why is there this and um just to think about god just wiping all of that out hmm. i think what i love and randy you kind of hit on it is this at the end of the bible uh, is a picture of the culmination of god's story with his people and it really is a bringing back of what was originally created and one of the things that just, I just point out in the message this week is, you know, you see a return to that. Heavens and the earth are created in the beginning and then they are marred by sin. Well, Jesus is making them new again. Sin and death and pain and all the things enter the world. Well, now they are no more. Um, suffering and, and, and even our bodies and creation itself that is, is kind of broken is now being made new again. And our separation from God even. Now we're we're reunited with him, um, which is just such a cool picture, too, of the the story of the Bible coming full circle, Mm. which is super cool. So with this being our future, and this is what we are looking towards and are called to by Jesus to anticipate and live in light of, what does it look like to live in anticipation of his return? J.D. Greer... Uh, pastor, author, heavily influenced by Tim Keller, uh, <laughs> says there's four things that Jesus' second coming change about us now, right, in the here and now. One, spiritual alertness. Two, mission urgency. Three, power to forgive. And four, hope and suffering. And uh, I think that list is, you know, pretty helpful and pretty comprehensive. And uh, I think it shows what it looks like for us to be motivated by the reality of the second coming. Mm. The you know you asked what does it look like and so I started thinking about that and um, for me I can think of a specific person that this looks like um, and honestly if I'm if I'm honest you're going to say it looks a little kooky aren't you huh no no because <laughs> no. I've known some people that I thought it looked a little kooky on well yeah I guess that's true but <laughs> oh, sorry this, I interrupted you um, this is a person that I look up to like she is. A mentor to me. She has been my supervisor in the past, um, but she's really the only person that I hear reference Second Christmas on a regular basis. And when I hear her reference it, it is um, in response to hearing sad news, hearing that somebody is suffering, hearing that. Um, something is going wrong, um, all those things that, you know, I just said, we wonder why these things are here. And her reflex when things like that happen is to say, 
come quickly, Lord Jesus. Like every time she would say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And it would strike me every time because that's not my reflex. Mm. You know, that's not what I think to say. And this woman, her name's Judy. So Judy absolutely also lives her entire life motivated by second Christmas. Like she lives her life with a sense of urgency for making sure people know about Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're right. That's not kooky. <laughs> <laughs> no, you love her. <laughs> no, I do. I'm just, I'm thinking about, like, I, I, y'all know what I'm talking about. The people that do go kooky with this. Like, I mean, I remember when old uh, Y2K was running, rolling around in the year 2000 was coming. Y'all remember that? And, uh, uh, Joseph, you don't. How old were you? <laughs> I was 10. Okay. So we remember it vividly. Uh, like on that night, I remember driving <laughs> up and down the street and there were these guys, they dressed like the, uh, uh, what's the YMCA people called? Uh, village people? The village people. Yeah, yeah. And they were like up and down the street banging drums and like they had signs that said, Jesus is coming back tonight. Like we don't want to go there. You know, let's be Judy, but let's not be village people. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's funny. I mean, one of the things we see continually is people are going to try to figure it out. And we see that Y2K, we've had people throughout history say, I've done the math in the Bible and this is going to be the day and time. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's really clear is that Jesus says, no one knows. Yeah. We're all going to be surprised. Well, he he includes himself in that, Uh which is crazy. Jesus on the outside of the knowing club, then mm-hmm. why would we anticipate that we are going to be in? And so, yeah, I think that's a part of that. That can settle into the indifference mm-hmm. that we were talking about, right? How do you anticipate something and you don't know anything about the details of when it is going to come? And honestly, I think that's probably part of the reason why we don't talk about it as often as we, we could or should probably at Brazos Point. You know, it's this idea of, I, th- I think in general, we land in this spot of, man, we deeply believe this is absolutely what is going to happen. And we're so keenly aware with humility of the fact that we don't know the details of how this is going to happen. So we're just going to focus on our work of, you know, leading people mm-hmm. to Christ in the here and now. Um, so have we underdone it? Maybe. Um, but I, I think that's where that comes from is this recognition of sometimes people overdo this and they get so lost in these theologies and so lost in trying to squeeze the mystery out of this mm-hmm. uh, that they miss the forest for the trees. Yeah. And uh, and it's like, man, if you are really understanding the theology of the second coming more than anything, it's going to motivate your life towards reaching the lost more so than just, you know, searching the the interesting nature of what God is going to do. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, no. I think there's a temptation to get lost in it and try to figure out and I appreciate all the detail that God has given us in it, but I think like you and I were talking about the other day, there is a mystery to it and there's meant to be. There's meant to be a we don't know when and there's a lot of stuff in here that's like, well, that's I can't wait to see that. Whatever that's gonna be like. But what I do know is he's coming again and he's coming to fix what's been broken. So Yeah, and I mean I don't wanna be theologically lazy, uh, mm-hmm. but I also wanna spend my time and energy, you know, in regards to mm-hmm. focusing on the clear things that are you know, yeah. go love your neighbor to the Lord. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's whole camps dedicated to where they land on the when and how of all this. Mm -hmm. And I think God left some mystery in there. Like, if God says you're not going to know, we're not going to know. Like, we can't Mm -hmm. outfigure God. (laughs) And I'm good to accept that, you know? I am, yeah. And I think that raises the the question too, Randy. Like, so if we're not going to fully understand, you talk about putting your energy in a place that could be influenced and matters in light of this conversation I mean, what does it look like to live or, or what should we be doing until then 
you know, like not indifference, like you said, but I know this is coming. So then what does it look like? What should we be doing? I think we've got a really clear picture of what it looks like in the New Testament, going back to the apostles and seeing, especially in Paul, seeing in his writings that he really did have this sense of anticipation that this could happen in his lifetime. And Paul's life was dedicated to mission. It was dedicated to church planting. It was dedicated to evangelism. And I think that's what it looks like when you really believe that this is imminent, uh, then you live as if, you know, people need to be right before mm-hmm. Jesus comes again. And and like Michelle was saying earlier, it doesn't have to actually be the second Christmas for that to be true. It, it could just be the end of our days here, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and recognizing that if we're not here for the second Christmas, we're going to we're going to have a time where our time here expires. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's the regardless of how this shakes out, it's the perspective that it brings and living in light of that perspective. Mm. I think, I mean, really, what should we be doing until then? I think it really boils down to the Great Commission. Like, Jesus gave us what to do until then. Mm -hmm. He said, I'll be back soon. In the meantime, go make disciples. And so, whatever that looks like, and wherever we are, as we go, we should be making disciples. And of course, that looks like doing and saying a lot of different things. But Well, and thank God for the people, you know, the the Judies and such that go to the unreached, unengaged, to the ends of the earth, to those kinds of things. But go and make disciples is, it's as you go. As it's, you go. You know, it's living on mission in our, in our streets and in our jobs and in our schools and all those places. Uh, and not thinking that living on mission in that way is some way inferior or less than the people that are living on mission in more conventional, traditional, missionary kinds of ways. Mm. I love the perspective, <clears throat> thinking about, man, well, what's taking him so long? <laughs> like, come on, Jesus, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, Peter tells us really clearly, hey, it may seem like a long time, it's not to the Lord. And then he says uh, that the reason he's patient in his return is he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And I think that's a really powerful reminder. The reason Jesus is delaying is because he wants more people to come to know him. And I think that right there are some, is a great framework for like, so what are we supposed to be doing? Well, the reason he's not come is because he wants more people to come to know him. And so there's a sense of urgency. It also tells us that every day people's eternities are changing. And are we a part of that? And like we talked about a couple weeks ago, we know what urgent feels like. Like we know what urgent mm-hmm. looks like because we all know um, what it is to be kind of chained to our calendar in our schedule mm-hmm. and things feel very urgent and we deal with them in, in that moment or whatever. And um, I think it's a really big challenge to keep this in front of us that this is urgent too. And but and, and eternal celebrating it, you know, like this whole series has been about adventing mm-hmm. and anticipating the coming of Christ first Christmas and, and how much we do. We're so good at celebrating that and we love to celebrate that. And then we're good at celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, you know, but man, what does it look like to advent with anticipation, the second coming of Christ? And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I'm down for another party. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a second coming party. <laughs> when do you want to celebrate it? <laughs> yeah. I think we June, don't know. <laughs> June. Yeah, we need something in June. Yeah, June feels a little underdone. <laughs> second coming party in June, y'all. I'll bring the queso. I, I like uh, one of the things we're talking through, too, is just what it looks like personally to live in light of 
this coming truth. Uh, and just the perspective it gives us. Yes, it gives us urgency for our neighbors and, and our mission, but even just, man, what do my problems look like in light of Jesus's return? My worries, my anxieties, my fears, my conflict. Um, and, and I love um, one of the things that just read is, you know, <clears throat> Jesus restores relationships and everything finally comes comes full circle. And so, man, are the things that are stealing my peace and my joy and the things that are weighing me down in light of Jesus' return, are they still there? Well, I go back to the J.D. Greer's list. You know, like he doesn't just list the, in that four things the hope that we have in suffering, like what you're speaking to. But he also, number three, was the power to forgive. Mm. Like the second coming fuels in us and our here and now a power uh, for forgiveness and to, to keep short accounts. Yeah. You know, like let's not let's not be found. Jesus comes back today. Let's not be found with with broken and fractured relationships, holding on to grudges and unforgiveness and just drowning in bitterness. But mm-hmm. instead... Uh, man, let's let's be forgiven up because we've been forgiven much. Hmm. That's good. I'm ready. Lord, come. <laughs> the last thought I had, uh, you know, I said it's definitely a thought, my own personal thought, but uh, it's non-scripture. But I think, <laughs> <laughs> again, this is just Joseph Christie's thought. Could you be more clear? Uh, that I think when we see the apostles when we read their writings the ones that we have they were so like you said expectant this is going to be my lifetime and so they're on a mission because they believe it's coming but that was such a central part to their life was waiting anticipating his return that i think man they would envy us and not for our many things that we have in our life that are different i think they would envy those too freedom of to worship and air conditioning and pizza pizza (laughs) uh but they would envy us in the fact that we live closer to the day of his return. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Shelley, like, man, have you ever read the Bible or seen something like The Chosen and thought, man, I wish that could be me. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I could walk with Jesus. I wish I could have been there and seen or experienced yeah, that. Really and I'm like, man, I think they would envy you. <laughs> you live closer to the day yeah. that he comes back. Well, you know, I think the other thing they would envy, mm-hmm. like, think about the urgency that Paul lived with getting the gospel out and proclaimed to the unreached and to the Gentile world. And you think about the opportunity for gospel proclamation that we have because of technological and transportation advances and all that, like, oh man, Paul'd be chomping at the bit <laughs> with how, how quickly and how well he could get the word out with all that we've mm-hmm. got at our disposal. Isn't there like a, if Paul had Twitter account? <laughs> I just, I just heard about this this week. It said, uh, if, if it was a meme, it said, if Paul, was still alive today, we'd be getting a letter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's got some stuff he wants to say to it'd be, us. It'd be first and second Brazos Pointians. <laughs> he's got two, two letters. Oh, man, that's good. What Bible story would you want to go back and see? Like if you're time traveling? Yeah. The resurrection? <laughs> Beat that. I want to see that talking donkey. (laughs) (laughs) Baby donkey. I'll tell you another one that's on my mind, um, because I feel like we don't think enough about it either, is the transfiguration. Oh, yeah. That one's a fascinating little ditty. That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah, that's a fascinating little ditty. 
I don't think he's little either. <laughs> he's a big ditty. <laughs> Peter's all, I'm going to build you a tent, Moses. He <laughs> <laughs> really don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm so confused. I'm going to make Moses a shack. <laughs> oh. So the talking donkey. Yeah. <laughs> that's not your answer. Uh, maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he split C's. He, yeah, Red Sea. That's a good one. You're settling for a talking donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Shrek? <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> Her favorite movie. Do you imagine Balaam's talking to be a little bit like... It has Eddie Murphy's Eddie voice. Murphy's yes. voice. <laughs> God is Morgan Freeman and the donkey is Eddie Murphy. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it... It's like we've exhausted this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, it has been a good year and thank you for listening. If you've been tracking with us and listening to our podcast, we hope that it's been encouraging and helpful to you. So this is our last Brazos Point living room of the year, kind of officially, but we've got one last idea. Uh, this next week, we are going to put out a podcast for, uh, what are we calling it, Shelly? Uh, well, it's not the living room. Maybe we can call or it the, the living room, uh, Brazos road trip point road trip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to create a short little podcast for you and maybe your family to listen to wherever it is you're headed yeah, to. Take us on your road trip with yeah, you. It'll if be nothing sh- else for our own families. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would, for the first yeah, time. Yeah, they're going to love that. And Jessica Searles. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> and uh, our friend Amy. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we're going to make it short and sweet. We're going to do some trivia. We're going to do some discussion questions that are Christmas-based, but also maybe a little depth there and uh, give you an opportunity to to create some conversations and some fun things to do with you and your family in the car ride. Even you, Trish Davidson. <laughs> and who and who doesn't want more Michelle? You know, <laughs> that's really why they're tuning in, Randy. Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, cool. But well, thanks again for listening. We love you guys. We hope you have a merry Christmas, and we'll catch you next year.